This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's a, it's a Wednesday. It's a work day officially. It doesn't feel like it, and that's not a bad thing. It's kind of like a holiday week, July 4th. It's July 5th right now, and uh, yeah, it kind of feels like a Sunday afternoon a little bit. It's just kind of uh, light and breezy, although it's kind of hot. Um, that's the mood. That is the uh, So it's a great opportunity to go see a movie. I went yesterday, and I did. I saw that Sound of Freedom movie that everybody's talking about, that they don't want you talking about, about child sex trafficking. Uh, it was amazing. This is uh, a must-see film. And the guy who uh, starred in it and really pushed to get it made, Jim Caviezel is his name, a very talented guy and a very um, moral man, a man of conviction, a man of strong faith. And uh, he... Um, I wonder if playing Jesus at one point in his life had something to do with that. He did. He played Jesus and Passion of the Christ in the uh, 20 years ago or so. Anyway, uh, just a really powerful film about child sex trafficking that is happening uh, south south of the border. Yes, um, and we believe that some of those kids are well coming into New York, New York, uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, all of America. Uh, according to the movie, and I have no reason to doubt this, uh, basically the appetite, the consumers of child sex trafficking, one of the biggest countries in the world for that stuff, can you believe it, just might be America. And with the border in the situation that it's in right now, i.e. no border, uh, this stuff has got to be happening uh, more and more. And it's uh, it's a disgrace. It's uh I mean, I, I I heard reports of this stuff in Southeast Asia, and it's, you know, what's your reaction? It's best not to think about it, quite frankly, right? It's best not to think about it, but you got to think about it. Um, and I think one way you can is uh, support this movie. And it's not like, um, I don't know. It was just, by the way, it's entertaining as hell. It's like, I have been to the movie twice in the past three years. I saw Top Gun a year ago, which, oh, by the way, was mediocre okay i said it was good and i felt i wanted to like it and i did kind of like it but it was one of those movies where you're looking at your watch you know what i mean okay i'm, I'm good now i want to okay i get it i get it i just the a great movie a test of a great movie is uh you're not looking at your watch you know or you kind of like don't want the movie to end it's like it's that interesting it's that fascinating and uh, this was that. The little girl is, re well, I don't want to say anything, okay? I don't want to be uh, like that caller yesterday who gave everything away. I didn't just give anything away, all right? I was about to start this whole thing. I, I'm not going to say much more about the movie, but I am going to play. I think we have a clip. Do we have a clip? Do we have a clip? Well, we have Jim Caviezel talking about it. Now, all of Hollywood, and oh, by the way, I used to be proud of Hollywood. I really was. You know, America, if you went to Europe in the 80s, they were all watching American movies right our it was our chief cultural export and the movies were pretty damn good raiders of the lost ark uh rocky uh, star wars and 
Well, now they're all woke and weird, and so is Hollywood. So um, here's Jim Caviezel, though, who was a guy who uh, would not give in to all of that woke stuff. He was in a CBS show called Person of Interest, and I think his career has taken a hit. Because he, um, well, he only does certain roles, and uh, he's got to like have a, he's got to be comfortable with, with the direction of the morality of it all. But here he is talking about this big movie. He gets pretty deep here. Uh, cut twenty three. I heard this in my heart when I was filming it. I mean, these are the deepest, the deepest prayers I ever have done. Um, have always made me the greatest of the man that. I couldn't be without Jesus. And he said, um, can you love my children more than you fear evil? Can you love, just as can you love Jesus more than you fear the cross? <laughs> and there is a go-to time and a power that is extraordinary where, um, where I'm not afraid of anything. And my heart was so on fire that uh, I, it was the best I ever was. And I gave my career to Jesus. You pick my roles for me, you know. And so in this time period where we're seeing films that are just, it, I mean, it has to be intentional, where Christianity is completely sidelined. Mm. And we continue to take it. We get on our knees with our mask on rather than standing on our feet. Reagan said, and I kind of made a few amendments, but we cannot but buy our security of one nation under God, our freedoms in Christ, our Savior, from the threat of the devil any longer by committing an act of immorality so great as saying to millions and millions of little children now caught behind the iron curtain of sex trafficking, give up your dreams of freedom now because in order to save our own skins, we're just too willing to make a deal with your slave masters. Wow. And Alexander Hamilton said that any nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. And back at what you said, yes, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. This is in the Gospels. You read it. You, you've got, you know, John the Baptist. Well, I don't want to be him. Well, why not? I mean, <laughs> what about St. Paul? I don't want to read him. He got his head chopped off, too. You know, we're all playing a, a character in Scripture right now. It's wow. not just a history book. It, wow. It's actually something when you read it, you feel it burning in your hearts. That fire comes on. Oh, it's just never the best, the greatest. That was, you know, what I believe this was all intended. And I embraced this guy because he, he had a childlike quality to him. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the belief that you know, it doesn't matter how bad this is. Kind of like David walking down and having these guys just hearing Goliath just rip the yeah. Philistines ripping on his yeah. God. That's all he couldn't take. Right. And someone like this guy walks over to these leaders and he says, mm-hmm. after I take his head off, you're going to go around the backside. And th- that's what men follow. They follow courage. Yeah. And that to me is what I want to be as a Christian. And I don't, I'm not always that. And you know, God doesn't always choose the best, but he chose me. So what am I going to do about it? All right. All right. He was very deep there, but uh, very, very good. Jim Caviezel. And um, 
wow, this is happening all around us, and he makes this amazing movie. Um, you know, he mentions David. I'll get to him in a second. What else has Caviezel said lately? Uh, he says this. Wow, it's tough. All right, you may not like it, but I mean, modern-day Christians are more afraid of the devil than they are of God. God could destroy the devil without a glance, but he looks to us to make a decision. Um, wow. There is a moral decay coming. You know, it's amazing that, you know, Jim Caviezel is something of a, uh, a, a lightning rod right now, right? You know, ooh, wow, you know, are, are you going to find him on the Today Show? Maybe. I don't think so, though. I'm looking around for this film, and I see it's gotten very little establishment media coverage, uh, almost no establishment media promotion. But if you want to talk about uh, children wearing the reading those silly queer books, right, the queer book, what is it called, Gender Queer? That's on the reading list of the National Education Association. That's beautiful. That's fine, right? A little bit more about the movie. It's the um, uh, he plays a homeland security agent, right? And he's going after pedophiles in America, but he gets frustrated with that, and uh, he knows where these uh, he knows where the stuff is going down, and a lot of it's south of the border. And he goes there, and it's an amazing film. You got to see it. In the meantime, what's going on around here? You heard about the big shooting in in Philadelphia. I was uh, I was in the bath, quite frankly. I was and I was listening to the news. And uh, while I was off, um, I was taking a bath, and even I was able to pick up a couple of things about the shooting. Number one, the uh, suspect is a Black Lives Matter activist slash uh, transgender non-binary individual. All right, and I'm just in my bathtub, just kind of vaguely following the news, looking at the New York Post, looking around the internet here and there, right? Just kind of. Mm, and uh, it's not my job. I'm not doing a live shot from outside the courthouse uh, you know, with a microphone, and I'm not talking to Andrea Mitchell at uh, MSNBC headquarters, right? <laughs> uh, but I was going around the dial this morning, and uh, there they were. And they basically acted like the shooter was just this, uh, well, we have no, uh, the shooter's name was Suspect. The shooter, the, the name was the Suspect, and we don't know anything about the, the Suspect. Nothing. We know nothing about the suspect. And I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> right, right. Uh, what about the Black Lives Matter part? What about what about the transgender part? I mean, I know that. I'm in my bathtub. Uh, they don't. They don't know that. We don't know anything about the suspect at this point. What they're doing is they don't want to uh, upset the narrative, right? That everything Black Lives Matter, that everything transgender is beautiful. Well, it's not. And a matter of fact, there is a real correlation between. Uh, some of these horrific shootings and transgender individual, which is, oh, by the way, a mental illness. And if you don't tackle the mental illness, well, who knows what could happen? I just found it amazing that Andrea Mitchell, right, that pompous woman on MSNBC, who, oh, by the way, was falling asleep the other day on television, um, would pretend that this is not a thing. This is a factor. Now, maybe it's the maybe it's not a determining factor, but it's interesting, right? I mean, it's kind of interesting. You want to know everything about the uh, the suspect in a mass shooting like this. I mean, two-year-olds were shot. Two-year-olds, little toddlers were shot by this maniac. So you want to kind of know if you're going to do a story, do the story. Who is this person? How old? Where are they from? What do they like to do? What do they do for a living? What are they... Uh-oh. I'm looking at a nut job walking down the street right now. Oh, man. No shirt on. Uh, just going through yelling at everybody. Yikes. Yikes. Well... Can we call the police? No, I can't really call the police. He's yelling, but he's not a, he's not getting in anybody's face. He's just walking down the street. 
I'm not going to call 911. Maybe I'll call 311. Right? Isn't that a compromise? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, 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 the situation seems to be changing. I, I just might have to call 911. Uh, I don't know, man. That looks bad to me. Have you ever seen it? We see this all the time now. I guess it's no big deal, but he could hurt himself or somebody else. I did call 911 the other night. I was walking down the street, and I saw a guy having uh, what I thought were spasms, like drug-induced spasms. He's on the ground, no shirt on. None of these guys have shirts for whatever reason. It's at night. He's sleeping on the ground. Okay, he's a bum, whatever. He's homeless. What can you do? What can you do? You can't call the cops every time you see that. But he was having, like, these weird spasms going, like he was having an overdose. So, yeah, I called the uh, I called the paramedics. And uh, I, I stood about 20 feet away from him, just keeping an eye on him. And then he stopped having those uh, those spasms. And then I'm like, oh, boy, now he's dead. Where are these guys? So I went back up to him about 15 feet away, and I could see that he was breathing. So um, anyway, try to do uh, something. It's not that I'm good. I just don't want to walk around with a guilty conscience, right? It's, I, I mean, if that guy died and I didn't call and I somehow found out about it, that would be uh, that would be awful. One more thing about the shooting in Philadelphia. You know who the district attorney there is blaming? <laughs> MAGA. He's blaming Trump. This this Black Lives Matter uh, transgender nutjob goes on a shooting rampage, and somehow it's uh, MAGA's fault. It's MAGA's fault. Here he is. This is the kind of thing he says. He says that all this stuff is happening in MAGA country. MAGA country. This is MAGA country. Remember that one? Listen to him. This is the district attorney of uh, Philadelphia. His name is Krasner, Larry Krasner. Total woke weirdo. Cut 24. There's absolutely no correlation between being progressive or traditional and the rate of crime. These states in the United States that have a rate of homicide that is 40% higher are MAGA states. They are Trump states. I'll say it again. The rate of homicide in Trump states as compared to Biden states, take all 50 of them, is 40 percent higher. You know, higher. Republicans say the opposite. It's all the blue the Republicans cities. Republicans lie. The- I mean, let's just get down to it. Republicans lie. That is what they do. Eight of not the ten cities without not. Well, OK, that's right. Not all of them do. But the MAGA ones do. Eight out of ten of the most violent cities are Trump cities. Like we got to get real about this. Facts matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, facts matter. So I looked it up, all right? Eight out of ten of those cities, actually ten out of the ten of those cities are blue cities. Absolutely. He's, uh, he doesn't expect anybody to look this stuff up. Here's a great example, right? And at first he said, st- he said states. Like Ohio is a red state, right? Well, Cleveland is on that list. Top ten, right? If you zoom in, what is Cleveland, right? It's Democrat. And it's been run by Democrats for decades. Same goes for all these cities, for Memphis, for Little Rock, for East St. Louis. Democrat after Democrat, woke after woke politician. And uh, I think that, I think that actually is something you can uh, make a conclusion over. Don't you? I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Should we listen to this guy, Larry Krasner, the one I just played, where he lies out loud? All these are MAGA cities. MAGA cities, he actually said. I, I know the logic behind the MAGA states thing. That's also deceptive. But then he says MAGA cities. There are no MAGA cities. <laughs> okay, pretty no MAGA cities. Anyway, they had a mass shooting. It was a transgender slash BLM person who was involved. They were all talking around that. And let's listen to this guy talk around it right now. There is the DA. Um, we were accompanied by leader Joanna McClinton, um, who is the Speaker of the Pennsylvania House, Representative Jordan Harris. Oh, brother. Who is essentially her right hand, the number two. All right, there are 50 people up on that uh, damn dais with him. And every does he know he's on live cable television? All the cables are taking him live, and he's still introducing everybody. All right, the community, the community, the community. A couple thousand miles away, but wanted to know everything that was going on, and we were in close contact. Vofi Jabata of Akana was there as well. Reverend G. Lamar Stewart was there as well. And we were all struck by many things, but just one of those things was the bicycle, which is still there. I don't know if you saw it, but right at the corner where this all went down yesterday, 24 hours ago, actually 28 hours ago. All right, just give us the facts. There was a, a small bicycle, looked like a child's bicycle, which was sitting on that corner. And we were informed by some people who were there that that bicycle was dropped by someone, I presume a child, during the shooting. Hours later, nobody had touched it. Nice little bite. Hours later, nobody had touched it as if they all felt they couldn't, that it was a memorial. It was some kind of a silent memorial. Oh, brother. Well, it's there now. It's been moved a few feet. Hey, Maybe this guy's policies, this guy's policies have helped bring on a total um, situation of anarchy in Philadelphia. Now he's crying for the kids. There are kids who are dying because of idiots like this. Curtains closed, the doors locked in that neighborhood, and also the comments from neighbors, the ones who did come out, about how close they themselves came to being shot and killed. Thank goodness I didn't go get that bag out of my trunk right then because those are the kinds of things that we heard. Obviously, this office is 100% committed to the vigorous prosecution of this mass killer. And we will do justice in court with this case. That's not always so obvious with guys like this. Talking. It's my time to call forward some people All right. who have, in my opinion, very important things to say. It is my pleasure, my honor first, to call forward Zaf Kossum, M.D., an emergency physician. All right, Penn some guy, All right, the doctors, the doctors, uh, he's not doing his job again. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Any profession, any movement, any hobby, any anything in the world, there are going to be some maniacs. All right, there are going to be some maniacs in that group. All right, there just are. There just will be. 
It's uh, the law of averages, I think. All right. It's just it's going to happen. And um, it's part of the story. Right. When the crazy shooter showed up at that ball field uh, outside of Washington, D.C. and shot up all those congressmen. The fact that he was a Bernie Sanders supporter and a liberal and all that stuff, right? That was part of the story. Needed to be reported, but it really wasn't. You never hear about that, huh? Um, now, does it mean that all Bernie Sanders supporters are like that? Of course not. It does not. Just like it is the same thing. If somebody does something horrible and has a MAGA hat on, does he speak for all of us? Of course not. Now, this shooter in in Philadelphia uh, happens to be, um, well, you name it, this guy is it. Transgender BLM activist, um, and uh, looks like a murderer too, suspected at least, overwhelming evidence. Now, it does not, uh, I think it's part of the story. I think it's part, I think it's relevant. But they're treating it, they're treating everybody like children. They don't want anybody to know. They don't want anybody to know what I'm about to tell you. Uh, the post, the rifle wielding suspect who donned a bulletproof vest before allegedly shooting dead five men and injuring two children in Philadelphia has been identified as a Black Lives Matter supporter who shared gun-toting memes on social media. Kim Brady Carricker, 40, was nabbed shortly after the bloodshed in the city's King-Sessing. You're from Philadelphia? There's a King-Sessing neighborhood. Um, cops have not publicly disclosed the person, but on the Facebook page, Carricker posted two pictures of himself wearing a bra, a women's top, and earrings with his hair braided long in March, three months before the alleged shooting. He also regularly posts about supporting Black Lives Matter, including supporting workers who protested in the strike for black lives in July of 2020. Now, I think, oh, I'm looking at the picture of the dude, and that he is a he, it's not a she, no matter what they're doing with that bra. Um Police said the 40-year-old male suspect was armed with a rifle, pistol, extra magazines, a police scanner, and bulletproof vest when he fatally shot four men on the street and then chased and killed a fifth man inside a home. A two-year-old boy was shot four times in the legs, Jesus, while a 13-year-old boy was um, also suffered gunshot wounds to the legs. The gunman had fired at police as they chased him for several blocks before he eventually surrendered in an alley. That's a lot of information right there, right? But no, 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 we don't know what happened. Oh, it's the, the suspect. It's just amazing how this is all being omitted. I think it's relevant. And if you don't think it's relevant, if you don't think it means anything larger, well, it's still interesting. It's interesting. You don't leave out unless uh, you are creating, what do they like to say in the fake news? A narrative. They have a narrative. We used to not have narratives. Narratives were for TV shows and Broadway plays. Right. You have a beginning, a middle and an end and a conclusion and all this stuff in life. As Homer Simpson was a bunch of stuff just happens. A bunch of sometimes just stuff happens and it needs to be chronicled. And we used to have journalists who chronicled that stuff and they had no real agenda other than, hey, this happened and it's new. It's the news. It just happened. Well, now they self-censor and they put they ignore stuff that they don't like. They. Because they have a narrative. They have a beginning, middle, and an end. Now, their end that they're going for is the defeat of Donald Trump, the defeat and incarceration of Donald Trump. And anything that does not fit into that story will be ignored, minimized, and uh, reduced. And this could, this could actually, um, this could actually be a factor. This is something else that does not fit their narrative. Why? Because it does not help with the destruction of Donald Trump. And that was Joe Biden's 
bizarre, uh, almost hysterical comments about Afghanistan on Friday afternoon. Perfect timing for them. I mean, the fake news, they don't need a weekend to as an excuse. They don't need a holiday weekend as an excuse. They'll bury news Monday morning, Tuesday night. They don't care. But it, it did help that they put out a big report on Afghanistan on a Friday night that basically you look at this report, you read between the lines, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, needs to be fired immediately. Should have been fired um, in August of 2021. Should never have been hired for that job. You know the guy I'm talking about? He's such a wimp. He asks everything he says. He says it like a question. So, um, but I guess if Joe Biden fires him, then he'll have to admit culpability himself, Joe Biden. So, you know what happened in Afghanistan. It was a total disaster. 20-year war effort. What do we have to show for it? The Taliban are in charge. The Taliban are in charge of Afghanistan. And you saw the images of how chaotic and crazy it was on the way out of there. And Joe Biden says he's right. What is the big takeaway from Afghanistan? This is what he said out loud. I mean, is this dementia? Is this crazy? Or is this just, um, is this just evil? Cut 13, Joe Biden, Friday night. Mr. President, Mr. President would you be the failure in Afghanistan? Mistakes. There was a, there was a report on Afghanistan withdrawal saying there was failure, mistakes. Do you what you need? There was mistakes during the withdrawal and before. No, no, all the evidence is coming back there. Remember what I said about Afghanistan? I said Al-Qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. Thanks. Thanks. What does that mean? Read your press. I was right. Um, Al-Qaeda is still in Afghanistan, everybody. Uh, that's not according to Fox News. That's according to the United Nations. Okay, Al-Qaeda is still there, thriving there. And the Taliban, this was all, so our loss in Afghanistan was all according to Joe Biden's uh, great big plan? Wow. Wow. And here's Joe um, insisting that nothing would go wrong uh, on the way out of Afghanistan. This is from July of 2021. Cut 15. The Taliban is not the south the north vietnamese army they're not they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability there's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the of the united states from afghanistan it is not at all comfortable <laughs> um that's exactly what we saw the arrogance of this man and part of it is part of it is um well he was around for a long time he saw generals come and go, and he thought he knew more than the generals. And in some cases, I'm sorry, but some of these generals were the pits. They were absolutely terrible. And there's a really horrible habit in the military that needs to go away, needs to be addressed. I mean, a lot of other things need to be addressed. I mean, boys have to be bo- – men have to be men and women have to be women, all right? You lose that, you're going to lose the next war. But – um the whole idea of never telling the boss anything he doesn't want to hear. There's really a yes man mentality in the military that I saw firsthand. And I was kind of shocked about it to be, I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> doesn't the boss want to know what the hell's really going on? It really hit me. It was in uh, 1997, I think. And I was supposed to go to a meeting in Camp Pendleton 
uh, to meet the chairman of the Joint Chiefs because he wanted to know what the Marines and the division in the wing were thinking, right? So we had to meet, <laughs> we had to have four meetings before we went to the big meeting about what we were going to say. And I was told all the things the general does not need to know about. He doesn't need to know about our canopies that are always breaking. He doesn't need to know about our engine problems. He doesn't need to know about any of that stuff. Oh, all right. Well, what can we say? Uh, you're happy to serve. Oh, oh all right. I, can't we just uh, send him a letter with that? We got to go all the way there. Just anyway, that's the kind of stuff that happens. And um, and then when it's too late, we find out the truth. I've done this before. I've went over years and years and years in Afghanistan and Iraq of generals saying everything's everything's going great. And we turn the corner. Everything's really, yep, we've, we're seeing great progress from the Afghani forces. Oh boy, they are stepping up so we can stand back. Uh, they're stepping up so we can stand down. We are turning it over to them. And they are really impressive. I knew that was a load of crap. Especially when I went on a raid with these guys in Fallujah in 2005. Boy, was I a schmuck. Running around Fallujah with a bunch of, uh, Iraqi guys with guns. Quite frankly, I'm sorry, I didn't trust them. Because they had not had the training and their loyalty was suspect. But because some general wanted to look good, here I am standing next to this guy. I had no idea what was going on. And I did know this, though. The way that the uh, military was carrying on, we were creating enemies every step of the way. And part of that was because so many generals missed out on the invasion. So, damn it, they were going to have a war no matter what. Yeah, we want to come over there and kick some ass, too. Yeah, we have huge problems. Hey, by the way, what's our, every now and then I get a look and like, doesn't sound like you support the truth. This is because I do support the troops. We gotta have the truth. The troops deserve the truth. And the people leading them should not be scared. Gosh, you can buy these people off with a nice house and a, and a promise to be on the Raytheon board of directors. They'll tell you anything you want. I guess it's a human failing. It's a, it's a, I mean, because these are people from a broad cross section. I saw it a lot, actually, and it's interesting. It's about to the human condition. There are people in the military gladly will give, gladly, they'll give their lives to their country, but they won't give their careers. Interesting, right? They'll sacrifice their life, but they won't sacrifice their career. And that's where you, that's where it gets really dangerous. And telling the president, telling, telling, uh, George W. Bush that everything's going fine. And then that word seeps back down to the troops. It was so crazy. Uh, let me try something here. Where are you? Where's that guy who wanted to talk about the trafficking situation? Is he still? Um, yeah, Lou, Lou in Staten Island. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, Greg. Uh, I saw the movie yesterday, Sound of Freedom. It was very moving, and I was happy to see the theater actually sold out for the uh, in, in the afternoon, which is impressive for Fourth of July. Where'd you see it? But it's one. And Staten Island. I just want to say, um, if anyone thinks that's not going on, it is. I retired from the NYPD over 20 years ago. I retired from the vice unit. And routinely, we were, um, we got involved with a brothel. Uh, there were underage uh, prostitutes there. And clearly, they were under 18. They would all lie about their age. But uh, they were young. I would guess maybe some as young as 13, 12 in that area. But uh, 
to the, its credit, the Brooklyn DA's office tried a program to try to get these people out and protect them, but it, it w- wasn't successful because the uh, participants, the girls, didn't want to get involved with it. But uh, I'm not talking about children. I'm talking about uh, legally. Um, I guess they were post-pubescent, but very young, 13, 14, 15. And I'm sure it's still going on. And they're being trafficked from Latin America. Are you, I mean, look, I mean, you say, you know, that's your, I mean, look, it's horrible. You say you saw this firsthand. Now, I do know in New York, sometimes there was a, who remembers that father, Bruce Ritter? Remember Father Ritter? Yes. You remember that guy? I do. Yeah. Well, he was always talking about the teen prostitutes and, you know, the children who were the prostitutes and, and, uh, they're like, okay, where are they? Where are they? Well, we'll go right now and get them. And they can never quite find them. Uh, he was one of those guys who was always kind of um, overstating stuff, misstating stuff, I think, to um, mythologize, uh, glorify himself. Turned out to be a really bad dude, by the way. Remember that whole thing? Now it's a hotel. What was it called? Covenant House. Beautiful concept. But it was um, it was a little bit flimsy. It was a little bit flimsy. Now, you saw the movie. And you know what they're talking about. I don't know how old that girl was. What was she, nine? How old yeah. was that boy? Six? And you remember when they put him in the container? Yeah, horrible. Horrible. Uh, I would say that, well, I don't want to get it. I don't want to give anything away, but I did see, I picked this up from the movie that, what did we do? We, the, the United States government came out with a policy that they, we will be working more closely with our international partners. Remember that? That's not yeah. exactly the uh, resolution I was looking for. You know what I mean? But it, people need to know that is going on. And, uh, it's it's happening right here in the city. I wouldn't say children that young. I didn't personally witness that. Probably the groups that I saw were like twelve to eighteen. I don't think still. it's happening, quite frankly, in New York City. I don't think it's happening in New York City. I mean, and you can't you can't even verify it yourself, right? No. I mean, if if believe me, if we could, I mean, the stuff in the movie is that going on in New York City? Come on. I, you know, I can't say, but I, I know that the the NYPD actually they had a pedophile unit um, that was pretty successful. Well, what they do and, as they, you know, a lot of these guys they look for them online. The cyber, the cyber world. Look, it's all ugly. It's tough to think about. I'm glad you saw the movie, Lou, and uh, everybody should see it. It's called Sound of Freedom, and um, it's 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 really cool that it's actually in mainstream movie theaters. You can go see it. I saw it at AMC on Broadway yesterday, and uh, it was almost uh, fully packed. Thank you, Lou. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man, what is it with these... Um Businessmen, some of them, when they hit it big, um, they just start to think that they're geniuses in all these other areas. And then they, they go into these things they know absolutely nothing about. A lot of them, uh, a lot of misguided do-goodery. And I'm talking about Ben and Jerry, the two fat guys from Brooklyn who did very well. All right, they made a great ice cream with all kinds of uh, unique ingredients. Uh, not that unique. What were they famous for? They were like, they were the first ones who, I don't know, before Ben and Jerry's, it was like chocolate chip. And then they they started like cutting up Snickers bars and putting them right in the ice cream. It was like wow, huge chunks of candy. That was great. Um, and then they made their first billion or two, and now they've gone all woke and weird. 
Uh, <laughs> ben and Jerry. They are. They're from Brooklyn. I've actually been to the Ben and Jerry ice cream factory um, when I was in college. I stopped off there in 1991. It was actually kind of cool. And uh, you got a little lesson in uh, how they made the ice cream. Now it's totally different. Uh, ben and Jerry's want you to sign their petition to give back Mount Rushmore to the Indians. Here we got it. We got to give it back as we stole it. Uh, this is what Ben and Jerry is all about. And, uh, this is what they, uh, they do. It's not about selling ice cream. They think ice cream can save the world. It can't. Oh, by the way, it can actually harm the world. Ice cream is not good for you. I don't want to, I mean, but this is a good as a reminder as any. Why eat ice cream? Why eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Some of these hideous messages up there. Get over yourselves. Just sell the stupid ice cream. The U.S. was founded on stolen indigenous land, Ben and Jerry tells us on their website. This July 4th, let's commit to returning it. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Oh, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Ah, the 4th of July. Who doesn't love a good parade, some tasty barbecue, and a stirring fireworks display? The only problem with all that, though, is that it can distract from an essential truth about this nation's birth. The U.S. founded was founded on stolen indigenous land. Stolen indigenous land. I, I looked that up too. How many um, how many Indians were there when uh, Europeans got here? Take a guess. Take a guess. Two million estimate could be as low as one point seven million. They're not sure. Nobody really knows. One point seven million uh, spread out over North America. Guess what? There was plenty of room for the new people. For the, for the there, there was plenty of room. Plenty of room. And as I recall, I think the Dutch bought Manhattan fair and square, didn't they? Granted, it was a bargain, but uh, yeah, I think fair and square. How much was it? 30 bucks or something like that? Uh, anyway, the heart of everything that is. The Black Hills are known to the Lakota as the heart of everything that is. And it's an insult to injury. This sacred land is not for sale. Stewards of the land. This is all on an ice cream parlor's website. All this stuff. In addition to the, yes, children, um, let's encourage the LGBTQ community among kids and all this nonsense. I'm going to go over to haagen ice cream, okay? Something tells me haagen which is superior, uh, doesn't have any of this stuff on their website because, well, they realize it's just a... It's just an ice cream company, okay? They don't have to change the world. Where is it? Um, yep, haagen I'm there now. And it looks like it's all about new flavors. Meet the next flavor that's coming. Now, wait, they might be woke, too. Um, oh, whoop, 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 whoop. What did I find here? Giving back to the community. Investing $1.5 to support underrepresented creators. Oh, brother. Ice cream. Come on, man. Now let me let me guess. Who are these creators? Are they? Let's see. I want to learn more. So I press that tab. The haagen brand was invented by two immigrant entrepreneurs with a vision. Okay. Uh, oh, now my ice cream is going to support the artistic efforts of Jade. Jade Purple Brown. Is that a real name? is an artist and illustrator based in New York City. She's recognized for her vibrant and dynamic illustrations featuring women of color. Oh, brother. This is the ice cream. This is another ice cream store. There's another one. All these people. 
Torre Jeanne is a black Brooklyn-based multi-display disciplinary artist, writer, event producer, and educator. What does that have to do with my chocolate chip ice cream? What does it have to do with uh, French vanilla? It goes on and on. Okay, so what? Hagendas has pledged to donate five hundred thousand to these people, and this foundation, and that foundation, in his effort to support uh, underserved communities. Yikes! Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, before I go bananas calling for this boycott and that boycott, I, number one, ice cream is not good for me. I should probably eat less of it anyway. But I am thinking, you know, some of these stupid uh, companies, well, I mean, they make a good product or whatever, and then I think they do it for a check in the block. They do it, they do the woke stuff, so they get the Al Sharptons of the world out of their lives, right? Oh, look at this, we're being woke, right? We're, and that is a classic virtue signal. The problem for the rest of us is, is, like, can I really in good conscience uh, call for a boycott of uh, Ben and & Jerry's and, and Haagen-Dazs? Now, it's a reminder, number one, I don't need that stuff in my life. I know it's delicious. I basically don't buy it, but I do. I would I would eat it. But I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, 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 it's more against ice cream than it is their woke policies. Because right now, in front of me, I have, I have an iPhone and I have a laptop, what do you call it, an iPad. And those guys are the wokest of the of the woke. They're giving all kinds of money, hand over fist, to Black Lives Matter, uh, trans this, queer that. I mean, they're all over that stuff. And I have no choice. i got to use their product, all right? Number one, I'm not turning this thing in. So I wonder, I wonder. Now, some of it is because Al Sharpton perfected this back in the 80s. You know, you um, give to the National Action Network or we're going to protest in front of your place and c- accuse you of being racist. That's kind of the bottom line. That's the down and dirty. That's the reductionist view of what was going on and what does go on. So haagen has this thing on their website about, uh, I don't know, uh, lifting up uh, communities of color. Now, I want what about lifting up people? People. I see all these aspiring artists. They all happen to be, uh, I don't know, but they're not white. Aren't there any white artists out there? I mean, pretty soon we're going to have to, like, have a foundation to give them a break, to give them a leg up. Because apparently, suddenly, overnight, the least kind of cool thing you can be is a white person, especially a white woman. You know what I mean? Karens? How about that thing, huh? The Karen thing. It's here to stay. I don't like that. I think it's uh, demeaning and racist. So, but what am I, how do I, I got to process this a little bit. I mean, to be honest, the whole haagen thing was like, what? What? I mean, the water company is probably woke, too. The water, am I going to stop taking showers? I can't do that. My wife accuses me of not doing that every weekend, actually. I don't like to take showers on the, well, I always take a shower. But, you know, I'm always going to work out. Well, I'm going to work out later. (laughs) You ever find yourself in that little trap, you know? I can't wash my hair twice a day. It'll damage my hair. Any excuse, all right? You revert to back when you were nine years old. You didn't want to take a bath. Now I actually love taking baths. Um, my thing for a while was taking a bath. Even if I was in a rush, I would take a bath. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. We have a very, for all my life, I had an ordinary bathtub, you know, ordinary bathtub. This thing is very deep. It's like, it's, how deep is it? I don't know, but it's deep. And, uh, I kind of like it. So, all right. I'm not calling for any boycotts. I got to figure this out. I got to process it a little bit more. 
I don't like what Ben and Jerry's did. And now them I can hold responsible because Ben and Jerry, they run the joint. Who's really in charge of Hagen Dazs? There's no Hagen. There's no Dazs. It's, uh, I think it's a conglomerate. I think it's, they're owned by like Northrop Grumman or something like that. I mean, they're, they're owned by something much bigger. So, hey, did you hear that de Blasio and, uh, and Sherlane have broken up? What is going on? It didn't work out? Huh. Who'd have thunk it? The, uh, the lesbian and the alleged straight guy, uh, could not keep that relationship going. Well, I think it served its purpose. I'll give this to de Blasio. He was something of a visionary. Whenever he hooked up with, uh, Sherlane back in the 90s, and oh, by the way, he was, according to him, sexually harassing her. He was sexually harassing Sherlane. They both worked in the Dinkins administration. And he was like, I want to go out with you. I want to go out with you. He's like, back off. I'm a lesbian. I want to go out with you. I want to go out with you. Back off, pal. I want to go out with you. I want to go out with you. Walked up to her and kissed her. What the hell kind of thing is that? And by the way, as soon as she said, I'm a lesbian, um, and if she didn't have any ideas about, you know, friends or whatever, uh, Bill, that was your cue to get lost. It's very strange. Very, very weird. And now here's the, they're going to live in the same house. Who really cares? I'll tell you why I don't care because he is not a cultural, what do you call it? A touchstone. He's not a, he's not a thing. He's just not a thing anymore. And I want to tell you about how weird and bifurcated our city has become that a punk like de Blasio could run on the lie that New York City has lost confidence in the police department and, and parlay that into the mayoralty. Right. That was his whole shtick. The NYPD is uh, stop and frisk and right, right, right. Well, given the way this city is set up, that you only have to appeal to a very small number of Democrats in a primary to become essentially the next mayor. Uh, Adams did it with 200,000 votes, 8 million people. He got 200,000 people to vote for him. I got to look it up how many people voted for uh, de Blasio in September of 2013. But it was, um, it was not a lot. It was not a lot. But you can convince a, not a lot of people of anything. You know what they really revere? The New York Times, right? The left, the liberals, right? They love the New York Times. I want to read to you something from the New York Times. It came out the same month that de Blasio opened his campaign to be mayor in 2013. March of 2013. He starts running for mayor, okay? Listen to this. This is the New York Times. Oh, I'm sorry. No, January. January. Yeah, it was January he started. Ready? Keep Kelly a top police department, New Yorkers say in poll, by Wendy Ruderman from the New York Times. All right? Now, this is the same month that Bill de Blasio has opened his campaign, which will ultimately win to become the mayor by running against police. Whether Democrat or Republican, white or non-white, male or female, wealthy or not, New York City voters overwhelmingly like police commissioner Raymond W. Kelly and would prefer that he remain in the job under the next mayor, a Quinnipiac University poll released on Thursday found. While Mr. Kelly's high marks among voters across various demographics may come as little surprise, the results will probably fuel political intrigue in the midst of the mayoral race. The poll numbers say that Kelly is a tremendously popular police commissioner, said Maurice Carroll, director of the Quinnipiac University Polling Institute. 
Voters said that they like the idea of bringing Kelly back. And if a candidate says that they are going to reappoint Kelly, this would be a plus. 75% of those surveyed said they approved of Mr. Kelly's job performance. 63% said any mayor, any mayoral candidate's promise to ask Mr. Kelly to stay on would be viewed as a reason to vote for that candidate. By contrast, the survey showed 19% viewed such a pledge as a drawback. Now, isn't this kind of amazing, right? Talk about like multiple realities. There's not one reality. There's a reality you can create. And de Blasio ran around running against Ray Kelly, running against the police department because he didn't have to appeal to 8 million people. He just had to find a, he had to find that 19% and make sure that they came out to vote. He just had to find the radical stupid people. And he did. And as a radical stupid person, he had a special in with that community. So what's going on? Uh, wh- wh- why did they break up? What happened? Uh, oh, according to, uh, Charlene, she wants to have a little bit of fun. Uh, hmm. kind of gross. I don't know. I, I, you know, you have to put it all out there. What does she have in mind? She's 68 years old with two children. Is this a time to be uh, running around having fun? I don't know. I mean, you can have fun, you know, uh, going to uh, uh, the opera, uh, you know, going, uh, playing your playing playing music. But she's saying here she wants to hook up, and so does Bill. Let's see here. Uh, and they're still going to live in the same house. I've heard of this happening before. Why is that? Why would they do that? Why would they stay in the same house? Isn't that the first thing you would do is get a place of your own? The proverbial bachelor pad? Um, uh, all right. It's crazy. Who cares, right? What do you think, Joe? Welcome back. Hi, Greg. Yeah, I'm uh, reading your book. It's uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm just I just have one question. Uh, out of three, I think there's 3.5 million registered voters in New York City. Why is the turnout so low? Uh, I just don't understand that. And why do we keep making the same mistake all the time, electing these people? That are not fit to be in office. Well, when you say we, you're not talking about you. You're not talking about me. I got out there every time. I voted for Curtis Sliwa. All right. I, uh, I voted against these guys every opportunity. Granted, you know what? I guess part of the problem is this, buddy. Are you a registered Democrat? Uh, Republican. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not a Republican, but I'm not a Democrat, so I can only vote in the general election. So all the numbskulls make the decision for us. Maybe I got to join that numbskull party. Maybe we should, seriously. Maybe maybe we should all become Democrats so we can have a say about how things go down in our own community. Should we make that a thing? Should we? I mean, I'm, I'm, you, I, what? When you go to, to, to vote, like I voted in the primary, the, the girl gives me a, a Democratic form. So I said, well, I'm a Republican. So the Democratic form has 42 people on there, and I got two guys. That I could vote in the primary for. It's I I I don't know. You know, I'm yeah. not I'm not that smart. Well, listen, I want you to think about. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this. I'm gonna talk to Curtis. I'm gonna talk to Rudy, and maybe we should all join the Democrat Party. I'm serious. Join the Democrat Party so we can have a say in municipal affairs, so we can uh, influence what the hell's going on. Because you're right; these degenerates keep getting elected. 
And uh, boy, do we have one in the uh, in the uh, in the city hall right now. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for buying the book too. Um, back to De Blasio and Sherlane. Uh, they are not planning to divorce, they say, but will date other people. They will continue to share the Park Slope townhouse where they raised their two children, now in their twenties. The vinyl-sided hub of a thoroughly modern political family whose mixed race symbolism helped send a spindly progressive long shot to City Hall. As with much of their marriage, its strain is imbued with civic resonance. Huh? Who the hell wrote this? Its strain is imbued with civic resonance. Shut up, Matthew Fleming. Matthew Flem. Uh, let's see here if there's anything else. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but. Here, uh, who, I mean, he probably was smoking weed, right? Wasn't that one of his problems? Remember when that was so scandalous? Oh, my God, the mayor may be smoking weed. Um, and then we have the Blas, what's his name? Adams actually smoking weed on the Colbert show with Stephen Colbert. Although I don't think Colbert actually smoked any, but, um, Frankie, hello. This is me. Hi. Hello. Hello. Yeah, okay. Uh, did you say that you like the Haagen-Dazs ice cream? The way it tastes, yeah. Uh, well, I, I got that book, uh, Think Like a Billionaire by uh, Donald Trump, and uh, he tells you all different things. And he 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 picked uh, Haagen-Dazs for his favorite ice cream. I just want to let you know that, you know. Is that right? Yes, I have the book, uh, Think Like a Billionaire. You know, it tells you what to do, what's right, what's wrong, what, what you should do this. So he's, I love him. But that's what he says. His favorite ice cream is Hagen. It has nothing to do with why he became a billionaire. Look, it's more no, expensive. Well, we all know it's uh, better. I mean, it's not any great insight to be honest. I mean, I thank for that tip. But it's like it's like saying Rolls Royce is the best uh, car. I mean, Hagen Dazs is the most expensive ice cream. I think it beats Breyers, right? Um, uh, whatever. All right, hey Frankie, what else did you learn about becoming a billionaire in that book? Well, he tells you what to do when uh, uh, you're at a meeting, you know, when to walk away. This is all, all little tips of uh, how to buy a, a, a house, when to walk away, when you don't want to buy it. When, if, the, if the lawyer is, does, is no good, you get another lawyer. You know, all, all different things like that. But it's a good book. You know what? I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get right. it. Thank you for the recommendation. I, I read Art of the Deal, um, which was great. And then I read Think Big and Kick Ass, which was also very, very good. Hey. Here's a little story about that book. I'm reading it once, eight years after it came out. And you know who we gave a shout-out to in the book? My mother. Right in the middle of the book, he mentions my mom in a very complimentary way. My mom was involved in this charity that he was uh, briefly involved with, and it was so cool. But nobody told me that. You know what the thing is? Nobody reads these books. It's kind of interesting. You buy the book, you give it as a gift. Frankie, you are unique. You actually read the book, and I am too. It's called How to Be a Billionaire, Think Like a Billionaire by Donald Trump. Frankie, thank you, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And the fake news, combination dumbest people in the world and also the most dishonest people in the world. Another report I watched uh, the Andrea Mitchell, man. What the heck is wrong with her and her team of reporters? They're out there, and they're totally stumped about whose cocaine this might be. Whose cocaine was left in the West Wing? Whose who's could it be? Well, this is an area that is heavily trafficked by tourists. No, it's not. I've been on a White House tour. You can't go into the library. 
You can't go in there in the West Wing. It's Hunter's cocaine. All right? It's Hunter's. It's Hunter's. Now, and if it's not Hunter's, well, at least he's a suspect. What did you say? Uh, to watch an entire report say, well, Hunter's, uh, Hunter was in, uh, Hunter was at Camp David and absolutely no way it could be his cocaine. It was his cocaine. You know, one of the reasons why I've been saying Hunter should be hanging around the White House is it's not good for him. It's not good for any addict at that level. All right. It's just not. I mean, you could have a relapse. They say relapse is part of recovery. Actually, I don't like that phrase because it assumes that everyone's going to relapse. And I don't think uh, everyone's going to relapse. But some people do. And the scrutiny of the White House, I think that would actually lead to heightened stress. And it's not just me saying that. I looked up a uh, a presidential grandchild by the name of Curtis Roosevelt. His grandparents were... Um, Franklin and Eleanor. Hey, what a relationship they had, by the way. That was strange. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was living with Eleanor and some, like, two secretaries that he liked. Two girls, plus. And Eleanor was uh, was apparently okay with it. Anyway, the book is called Too Close to the Sun, Growing Up in the Shadow of My Grandparents, Franklin and Eleanor. And the whole book is about him and, you know, gosh, you, when you're, you you get this weird entitlement thing and you start to think that their accomplishments are your accomplishments and the glare of public scrutiny that uh, all presidential households must submit to. Throw addiction into the mix. Throw a, um, a liking of crack cocaine uh, into the equation. And I think you have a real problem there. And I understand it. I guess Joe Biden doesn't. He really does, you know, and, and you can talk to Rudy about this. And Rudy is a man of great compassion, actually. And he said, you know, what Joe Biden did to Hunter by allowing him to fly all over the world, you know, put himself in these situations, when he has this this weakness, this addiction, it's the last place he should have been. Acting like a high roller overseas, unsupervised, right? With access to, um, well, just about anything. So that was bad. And this is bad. He shouldn't be in the White House. He should be in some facility. Um, not doing lines in the West Wing. And that's what was happening. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. These puberty blockers, I wonder if they actually lead to um, increased violence. Now, studies have shown that they lead to an increased uh, likelihood that someone will hurt themselves. But how about inflicting pain on others? If it inflicts pain, if you're willing to inflict pain on yourself, I think, you know, sometimes they say in those commercials, uh, suicidal ideation, suicidal, homicidal, right? Kind of the same difference in a way, both horrible it's amazing right now there's a total blackout on the information that the uh, that we boldly talked about boldly well it's, you know it doesn't have to be bold it's the truth 
The suspect in custody right now is a Black Lives for the Philadelphia shooting. Five men dead, two children seriously wounded. Um, is a Black Lives Matter activist slash uh, transsexual, transgender. Um, I don't know, like wearing women's clothes. And um, in the picture I'm looking at right now, uh, apparently has breasts. Maybe they're fake, but uh, well, uh, or maybe maybe they're who knows. But this is, uh, and you know, you see it more and more and more. I would say, what do we call? It? What's that word? A trend. There is a trend going on here with transgenders grabbing guns and harming people. It's very real. It's actually happening. Unlike the, uh, what is the greatest threat that they tell us that we have to be on guard for all the time? The greatest threat, MAGA extremists and white supremacy. Wow, white supremacy. Again, we condemn white supremacy wherever the hell it is, and there are six guys somewhere in the woods and a handful in prison who like white supremacy. And if you like white supremacy, that's your problem. Um, and if you do anything wrong, if you break the law, uh, that's also going to be your problem. Uh, but... It's just not a thing. It's a myth. It's a uh, it's a ghost. It's a phantom. And Joe Biden loves to tell ghost stories. Even the way he talks, it's like creepy. It's designed to make people scared, nervous, right? This is not a man who is, uh, boy, if only Ronald Reagan. What would Ronald Reagan have said about Joe Biden? Well, actually, he worked with him for a little while, and he was not impressed. There are several mentions of Joe Biden in his memoir. Called him a smooth talker, I guess, back in the 80s. He might have been. An ideologue, dishonest. It's, uh, yeah, he had several meetings with him. Hey, this is not the first time. Somebody is also saying it's, it's so shocking that drugs would be found in the White House. Well, not really. Willie Nelson, of all people, famously smoked weed on the roof of the White House. You can look it up. Willie Nelson, big pot smoker, smoked on the uh, roof of the White House, I believe, with Billy Carter. Um, the White House Chief of Staff, Hamilton Jordan, back in the 70s, he went to Studio 54 and uh, partook of some coke. Let's see. Uh, Barack Obama was the first president to have admitted using cocaine in his younger years. And he didn't condemn it. You know what I mean? He just, it was like a fact that he just did a little blow. It's in his, uh, it's in his memoir. He did a little blow, a little bit of blow. That's, uh, that's really, do they u- still use that? Is that still slang for uh, cocaine, blow? Well, Barack Obama did it, and now I think, obviously, Hunter has been uh, is back at it. I mean, just look at the guy. He does not look well. He needs a he needs he needs help. He doesn't need to be waving to people on the on the portico there on the uh, the Truman balcony. Because you you start to think that that's about you. It's not. It's not these Bidens. Wow. Um, Oh, and I'm just reminded again, there's a granddaughter running around Arkansas. Joe has a granddaughter. Now, whoever you are, I don't care if you drive a truck, if you own a company, if you're a bike messenger, if you find out that you have a granddaughter somewhere that's yours, you're going to do the right thing, right? What kind of jerk is not going to do the right thing? Well, Joe Biden, Joe Biden shirking his responsibilities, denying that poor child, denying the name. You can't even call yourself a Biden. It's biologically, uh, it's the flesh and blood of Joe Biden. And for that child to be so denied, it's awful. It's just awful. Let's see. Okay, so they're about to have a briefing at the White House, and uh, Karine Jean-Pierre will be flustered and overwhelmed, no doubt, and she'll refer all questions to the White House Counsel's Office or to the Secret Service. She can't 
really do much of anything. Um, and it's pretty pathetic to, to watch. Uh, there was something about Fox News that I wanted to. Geraldo left. We covered that. No more Geraldo on Fox News. Um, I like Geraldo. Uh, mixed feelings about some of the stuff he said on air and some of his behavior. And, oh, by the way, well, I'm not going to dwell on that. I like him, and uh, he had a hell of a career, and he's probably going to do something else. And good for him. Good for him. Nice guy. Off TV. Uh, what's else? Who's the Stephen A. Smith is the ESPN anchor, right? Uh, he's a radio guy. He wrote a book recently. I'm not exactly sure what he's all about. Is he good? Do you guys like him, Stephen A. Smith? Hmm. Well, here he is on the affirmative action ruling. Cut eight, please. Cut eight. 53 to 69. That's the last time there was a liberal majority in the Supreme Court. Ever since then, albeit narrow, there's been a conservative majority in the court. And it was upheld. Because even you had even some Republicans that said, it's the right thing to do. Because history taught us there was unfair and inequitable treatment afforded to the minority, specifically the black community in this country. And something needed to be done to right the ship to some degree or even the playing scales. Now, some would argue you don't fight discrimination with additional discrimination. Yes. And the fear-minded amongst us understand that. And even President Obama himself said affirmative action was not perfect, but it allowed generations of students like Michelle and me to prove we belonged. Is that it? Real range there. He goes from, like, really outrageous mad to very mellow. I usually see him when he's mellow. I think he's totally, uh not totally, because he kind of acknowledged something, but I think he's wrong on affirmative action. It's terrible. And I think he's using it, quite frankly, forgive me, but like a lot of, uh well, people who happen to be black and happen to have positions of status and power, they use the issue of race to enhance their own status and their own power, Without talking about the real issues that affect the, well, I don't like the word community, but African-American community. All right. If I heard that kind of passion, maybe he has, maybe he is. But what about all the absentee fathers? Does he talk about that? Does he talk about what that leads to? Maybe he does. And if he does, great. And I would encourage him to talk about it more and others to join in uh, because it's fallen to people like me because a heavyweights like Barack Obama won't do it. He won't do it. He did it once, and Jesse Jackson threatened to cut his testicles off. How dare you talk about the real problem? Do not talk about the real problem ever again. The real problem is, uh, no, unmentionable. We can't talk about fathers blowing off their families and having too many kids. Can't talk about that. Can't talk about AWOL black fathers or MIA black fathers. You got to talk about Trump. It's all Trump's fault. It's all... uh. It's a Republican's fault. Right, right, right. Um, there are some communities in this country that started at the bottom and have done amazing things, amazing things. And um, I just don't believe that white supremacy is is the culprit. I hate white supremacy. I haven't seen examples of it. Well, that just shows how stupid you are. It's everywhere. Critical race theory, it is everywhere. And no, no. We're in the here, we're in the now. Repatriations. By, by the way, we can't just stop. We have to go to the Indians, too. We uh, All that stolen land. Uh, Ed in Staten Island, hello. Hey, Greg. Remember Bob Novak, the uh, conservative journalist? 
Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. I, um, I actually lived in the same building as that guy in Washington, D.C. He's dead now. And, uh, when he moved to Virginia, he registered as a Democrat just so he can get elected to the uh, Board of Ed to fix all the screwed up policies that the liberals had put in place. Huh. Yeah. So people have done this before. My idea of possibly becoming a Democrat so we can vote. Uh, so Bob Novak did that. I like Bob Novak. Very, very smart. Not a very um, chirpy guy. I mean, he was really dour. Remember how he wore the three-piece suit all the time? He wore a vest even well after that was. Uh, anyway, I think that's a good idea. I'm going to think about it, Ed. We're, uh, well, you're a Republican, I guess. Staten Island, I mean, you guys can, You, you were, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm a Republican, so you yeah. Know. But I mean, your vote matters in Staten Island. Uh, in Manhattan, not so much. I, I didn't know that about Bob Novak. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Let's try Sandra. In hey, Sandra, I saw the movie. Very good. I know. I'm very happy that you did. And you know what I was thinking? I bet Tim. Um, what's his name again? That starred in the movie. Um, um, I'm, Tim Ballard. He would love to go on your show, don't you think? Well, we'll see. That would be nice. But anyway, you know, um, I, I wanted to say I wasn't, okay, I wanted to say that the, um, the governor in Louisiana, his name is, um, John Bell Edwards, he voted to go forward with, you know, doing all the transgender progressions with children. And I was very surprised. And someone else to the Senate in Louisiana said, just the opposite. He said kids need to know they are loved, valued, and a per- and to stay like you are, like God created you. So my question to you with this is, why would a governor vote for this? Is it because they want money for their state? Because I really don't understand that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it seems totally crazy to me. And uh, you mentioned his name is uh, Edwards. And I wonder if he's related to the corrupt uh, Edwards family. Uh, for many years, they had this guy, Edwin Edwards, who was the governor of Louisiana. And I'm guessing that this guy's related to him. Let's see here. He's raised, born into an economically and politically, yep, politically well-established family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same guy. Same guy. Look, I don't know enough about it. I don't know what he actually did. Um, and uh, I'll look into it. But, uh, yeah, the Edwards people, they're strange. They are strange. Been around for a long time. Edwin Edwards. Anybody remember that? He was like the most colorful and crazy governor. I think he actually went to jail. So um, I don't know. I hear the Utah governor, who happens to be a Republican, did something similar. Thank you, Sandra, very, very much. One more. Sonny in Rockland. Hi. How are you doing? Uh, I just want to talk about – anyway, I agree with everything you say about the military. Uh, I, too, was disillusioned when I first went in, especially what's not – spoken about too much about the fraternization in the military. I mean, as, as, as for me, I was in the Navy 21 years, and I always seen it all around me, no matter where I went. These officers were hooking up, shacking up with enlisted personnel. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't think it's right. Uh, I don't think they ever got like... Well, number one, a lot of people don't know what we're talking yeah. about here. Fraternization, it's called. And it's a policy that uh, if you're an officer, you can't date enlisted. And if you're enlisted, you can't date officer. And it goes even deeper than that. Uh, chain of command, that kind of thing. You can only date within a rank or two. And it helped preserve the, what do they call it, the good order and morale of uh, the service. I got to say, I never saw a, I never really saw that. 
I never saw. I never. I don't think I ever saw that. I never saw an example of it. Um, not as much as you did. I, I certainly. I, I did not. I tell you, if I did, I saw a lot of crazy stuff, but I never saw that. Okay. All and, right. Did it really? Bo- it really got on your nerves. Well, I, I I used to work for this captain in Italy, and he was flaunting his girlfriend, who was a chief. Uh, she was a chief, and they were parading all over the base with arm in arm in uniform. And uh, they finally came after him. He was a civilian TWA pilot activated in the reserves after 9-11. And uh, they finally uh, they finally tracked him down and threw him out. So I guess they did go after him. Yeah, I mean, that stuff yeah. is weeded out. And by the way, that is, oh, boy, he was so he was, <laughs> I get it. He was he was back on active duty, and this was not his main thing. And, uh, wow, arm in arm. That I never heard about that. I mean, I guess I did hear about Hey, uh, let's meet at the Dunkin' Donuts uh, 20 miles out of town. I've heard of that, but I never heard about walking all over base. What did you do in the Navy? I was an NCIS. I was an investigator. I was one of the first enlisted because that's usually given to uh, an officer's uh, slot. But uh, they started changing it around, and uh, I joined a unit. And uh, it was up in Newport, Rhode Island, who eventually it took on. It was a pilot program, and now it's all over the world. And we're enlisted. I think you have to go, you have to go in as an, uh, an E. As an E seven, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Do you ever see that TV show NCIS? It's about you guys. Oh, I, I can't stand it. It's it's so unreal. It's nothing like what we do. We do a lot of counterterrorism stuff, uh, opposed to uh, criminal work. Well, all right, they got to keep it interesting and spicy, I guess. But uh, yeah, I didn't have too much experience with the NCIS. Good, good thing, right? I. Uh, I kept my nose clean uh, when I was in, but hey, uh, Sonny, thank you for that, and uh, you make me think. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, totally a blow-off week, right? It kind of feels like that crazy twilighty week between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Everyone's a little bit... Uh, a little bit hazy right now. All right, there she is. Why do they call the White... You know what they call the White House there? They call it a campus. They call it a campus. And Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, who says... Uh, she says, oh, this is a heavily trafficked part of the West Wing. Basically saying, it's not Hunter. Could have been anybody. Could have been a tourist. Uh, I don't believe that. And I know, oh, by the way, if you're a tourist, you don't get to go in that library. Library, as Sonny would say. And uh, just like everything else, nothing to see here. No, 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 no. Full investigation. You know, it's interesting. Full investigation. They get credit for announcing the full investigation. But when the results come in, they wait good and long, and no one's looking, and they put the results out on a Friday. So the investigation into the horrific, catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, you know when it started? December 10th of 2021. That's a year and a half ago. You know when the results were released? <laughs> Friday. <laughs> the Friday before the 4th of July. And the way that this was so, well, it, 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 this is, this is what they wanted. It, it, not covered. I watched the Sunday shows. Uh, not a peep, not a peep about this. Now the report goes into detail about how this was a colossal screw up. Yeah, they try to blame Trump, but nobody's buying that. They do lay a lot of blame at uh, Tony Blinken's feet. And there's other words in there. I mean, they're protecting the administration, but still. And this thing comes out. Now, Joe was asked about it on Friday. 
And man, did he get mad. Cut 13. Mr. President, when you need a failure in Afghanistan, mistakes, there was a, there was a report on Afghanistan withdrawal saying there was failure, mistakes. Do you want the need? There was mistakes during the withdrawal and before? No, no, all the evidence is coming back there. Remember what I said about Afghanistan? I said Al-Qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. Thanks. Nobody ever says Joe Biden was right about anything (laughs) Uh, except him. Thanks. He is such contempt. Nasty, nasty guy. Oh, a story over the weekend, by the way, that says Joe Biden's aides have been instructed not to say anything about Hunter Biden. You know who's putting that out? Uh, Joe Biden's aides. Because they understand that this is a... uh, a car crash waiting to happen, having Hunter hang around the White House. And it looks like it's already happened. They found cocaine in the White House. And they want it known that they are opposed to this. The White House aides, as anybody with any common sense, anybody who has an ounce of care for Hunter Biden, he should not be hanging around the White House. i got to go in a second. Uh, thank you for sticking around. Steve? Uh, yes, two things quickly, if, with your permission. Um, the first thing is, in light of all the weaponization of language by the radical left, the things like the pronouns, the changing of team names and company names, turnaround would be fair play. What about the Times Magazine, uh, CBS News, uh, 60 Minutes Magazine, Time Magazine, or Us and People Magazine, Parade Magazine, they all have MAGA in it. <laughs> Why don't we call up some of the publishers and start a, a movement to have them have to, to be as uncomfortable as they've made sane people on the right? And it's funny. You know what? If Steve, if you started that, if you pretended you were a liberal and you started saying, I don't think MAGA, then again, nobody really says magazine anymore. Nobody even reads magazines. You know, I didn't. I, does the New York Times even have that thing anymore? Yes. Uh, really? I mean, I haven't looked at it in years, literally in years. It used to be everybody talked about it. Everybody knew it was on the cover of the magazine. Interesting point, Steve. I thank you. Uh, let's try uh, Mario. Yes, Mario. Hey, Greg. I wonder if the, the scummio, the bummio, the blasio, his real name is Warren Wilhelm. He doesn't deserve an Italian name, but communist of the most capitalist city in the world. I wonder if him and Shirley McCrane flushed them both down the drain. If they're going to split 50-50, the $1,250,000,000 of tariff taxation taxes that he gave her when she was in charge of the Thrive Program to help the homeless and mentally ill. And according to the latest survey, 18% increment in homeless. And 66% of the homeless are American veterans. And the federal VA... All right, Mario, I appreciate it. You sound like Curtis's little uh, little brother there, right, with the rhymes and stuff like that. Thank you. Morty in uh, wherever you are. Hi, Morty. And then I got to go. Greg, really quickly, thank you for taking my call. Um, so according to the... Uh, the you know, I, I don't know if you heard about the story with the uh, Palestinian terrorists in Israel. They were killed. And... Well, they're just saying that they're Palestinians, and they're not saying that they're terrorists, so they're just putting a spin on it, like uh, Israel's the bad guy. Uh, as usual, they're so anti-Semitic, the, uh, the mainstream media. Thank you. I'll see you later.